my children had a box of quality streets. And to begin with, I was like, oh no, I don't want it. But then you're looking at them and you're looking at them. And I was like, oh, I'll just have one. And I'm now the person that can have one like sweet and stop. And in it, and I just look back at that journey and I think, fair play. I really thank my past self for having the courage to be uncomfortable in the moment, which has now given me so much more comfort in the long term, so much more control. Losing weight isn't easy, and some days we can feel like we need some extra help. Welcome to the Weight Loss Warrior Podcast, the show where we share inspiring real-life success stories from normal, everyday people like you and I. Listen to how each of our guests managed to overcome their personal challenges to lose the weight they wanted, as they talk about the secrets to their success and give great advice that you can benefit from. Become part of our tribe and use the Weight Loss Warrior podcast as your source of motivation and support to help you on your weight loss transformation. And now your host and friend, Carl Radley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Weight Loss Warrior podcast. I'm Carl, your host as always. I hope you're doing well today. I'm joined by a special guest today, Nikki Bevan, who has got an amazing story to tell me about how she has overcome sugar addiction and how this has changed her life. Nikki, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, exciting and nervous all at the same time. For me too. And, you know, <laughs> we, we we kind of have known of each other for a while and I'm sure we can get into that. And to actually have yeah. the opportunity to speak to you today is really great. And I'm sure there's much more than just sugar addiction that you want to share with me and talk about as part of your journey and not just that, but how you help others now. So um, why don't you start by telling us a bit about yourself, please? Yeah. So my name is Nikki Bevan. I am the loving no bullshit life coach for working mums who love their job. She fiercely loves her kids, but she isn't enjoying either because of this constant battle that she has in her head of mum guilt because she's shooting herself all the time. So when she's at work, she should be with the kids. When she's with the kids, she should be at work. And she feels like she's just on this relentless hamster wheel of like kids cooking, cleaning clients, kids cooking, cleaning clients. So when she works with me one-on-one, we look at practical time management tools that help her escape the chaos, but also, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is the mind management tools that helps her break free from that bitchy voice that she has in her head, which we all have in our head, male and female, gender neutral. It doesn't matter if you're a human on this planet, you have a bitchy voice in your head. And we'll go on to that in a minute. I'll talk more about the bitchy voice. But when we actually start to build emotional resilience, when we actually start to build that mind management skill, we're just so much calmer. We're so much more organized. And we then feel like we're in control, which means then we actually get to enjoy our job. We get to enjoy our kids, even when they're having tantrums. Um, and we get to enjoy ourselves again without all that mum guilt. Um, so before we start, Carl, can I just start by saying, I mentioned this before we started recording, but there are two things your listeners need to know about me. Please. The first thing is I have a potty mouth. It is not my intention to offend at all. It's just that when I get passionate, I might drop a couple of f-bombs or i might pop out a couple of bollocks but so please see that as humorous it's not my intention to offend i also think it's worth saying that the second thing you need to know about me is i am actually really nervous right now and the reason why i want to point that out is because listening to me or if even if you can see any of this visually i probably look very calm 
very grounded, kind of like I've got my shit together. If you're really listening, um, you might be able to hear my voice wobble a little bit. And people look at me and then think that's because I'm, I have like, I'm really self-confident, but it's actually the opposite. It's because I am willing to feel my nervousness, totally own that they're there and know the reason why they're there, that I'm then able to control it. And the only reason I'm feeling nervous is because my brain is telling me, I'm not going to know what to say. I'm definitely going to look stupid. But the one that really gets me is this voice that just goes, shh, like Nikki, just shh. They don't want to hear what you have to say. Just stay in the corner they don't want to hear from you. So of course, when those sentences are whirling around in my head, my my body is going to have an emotional reaction to those sentences. Nothing has gone wrong. So I think if someone's listening and they don't listen to any more of this podcast, if they only took away the fact that when we feel a negative emotion and they realize that nothing has actually gone wrong, that alone is huge because what we end up then doing is we end up feeling nervous about feeling nervous or anxious about feeling anxious, or we get annoyed at having the craving for sugar, or we get angry about feeling angry. So we actually create more negativity when we try and avoid it. So a lot of what I do is actually teaching my clients how to deal with their emotions, learning that actually even the negative ones are completely harmless, but the effect of avoiding them or trying to like put them in a box and shove them on a shelf is not harmless because that's when we start to eat all the sugar, drink all the alcohol, watch all the porn. For some people, it's over-exercise. For some people, it's over-cleaning. Any activity that takes us away from feeling an emotion will have a negative effect on us. And so I get very passionate about that topic. And I always like to start by saying I'm really nervous because people don't think I am. But it's because I'm willing to own my nervousness that actually then I get to control it and I get to go, right, hang on a minute. How does Nikki actually want to show up? And then I off I go. Which is amazing. And I think this is probably one of the best introductions I've had on the podcast. So oh, thank, thank you. you, Nikki. And also just for the fact that you've shared so much already in the first five minutes about how for a lot of people who are listening, okay. this is probably something that happens on a daily basis. The, the manifestation of, of negative emotions based on negative emotions and getting out of that loop and writing off whole days in terms of their plans and things that they want to achieve because of something going wrong or something happening and how that can impact them. And just what's that, that internal chatter, everything that's going on and, and leads to negative results ultimately because people feel shit about themselves. And yeah. that's something that, you know, I know that you feel very passionately about and you've been on your own journey as well mm -hmm. in terms of that. So you be a potty mouth. If your bollocks <laughs> pop out, as you said, they would, that's absolutely fine. Um, We'll mark it explicit, but I'd love you to talk in, in, you know, freely and about it because I can tell you have a lot of passion for it, a lot of knowledge about this topic. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. So tell me a bit more, Nikki, if you could about the journey before this journey yes, and what brought you to this and the coach that you are today and everything that you do to help others. Because for most people, I know there's usually a reason and why for doing this. So tell me about life before coaching and how you wound up becoming a coach, please. Yeah. So I, um, I'll try and make it as short as possible because I could talk about this for hours, but I, I always kind of liked myself. Like I was never, I, I've always kind of liked my own company. Um, 
But I would always look in the mirror and think, you could lose a little bit, like you're a little bit chubby. Um, and I suppose I, so I'm celiac, so I have to follow a gluten-free diet. So because, and I've had that for my whole life. So because I've always had to follow a certain diet, I've never then chose to diet on top of that. Um, so I never really, I had a few times where I was like, oh, it'd be nice to lose a bit of weight. It'd be nice to do this. But I, it, it was never something that I was particularly bothered necessarily about doing. And at this point now, I've lost two stone, which compared to some of your listeners, I'm like, where they've done like 16 stone and 12 stone. And I'm like, my two sounds insignificant. However, to me, that was really quite huge. So I have always had a sweet tooth. Like I totally identify as a sweet tooth person. And that didn't always necessarily look like chocolate every day, but it definitely was like when I was being healthy, it would look like dates or raisins. And after every meal, I, and I didn't ever think that that was a choice. Like I, I used to look at people, you know, you have like a back, at the moment, there's the quality street boxes everywhere in England. I have no idea what it's like in Spain, Carl. But in England, very typical quality streets, celebrations, those big boxes of all the all the chocolate. And people would say, oh, I'll just have one. And I would look at them and they would have one and then they would stop. And I would look at them and go, how the fuck does that happen? How the <laughs> actual fuck does someone just have one? button out the grab bag and not eat the rest how the squashies was my favorite those little pink and white squash chewy squashy sweets yep yep. how does someone just have one and then stop like i just didn't get it i just didn't get it and i would go to parties like if we went to my in-laws house for lunch or whatever because i i realized now i was slightly uncomfortable though i didn't really know this at the time but looking back i realized i was uncomfortable so i would eat twice the amount of the main course because it always tasted really good. And then because they made amazing gluten-free desserts, I would then have a little bit of the dessert and then I'd be like, oh no, my gosh, that tastes amazing. So I'd have a little bit of the next one. Oh my gosh, no, that tastes amazing. And, um, and then I would go up for like seconds and then I would go up for thirds and then I would be feeling physically uncomfortable now and still not be able to stop. Like I would literally sit with the spoon and carry on eating. And then I would laugh about it, but like, oh, isn't this funny? I've lost control. But then I would sit there and internally I'm thinking, what, like, why can't I stop? What is, and I'm sorry if I get emotional, what is wrong with me that I can't stop? I really thought there was something wrong with me. And so I, when I discovered life coaching, I always knew that, um, like it wasn't the weather that made me feel bad. I just put my wellies on, put a coat on and went and stomped in puddles. But no one ever seemed to agree with me. No one ever seemed to have this same thought process. And it wasn't until I listened to the first episode of the podcast, the Life Coach School podcast by Brooke Castillo, which is a phenomenal podcast, by the way. And she explained, so Brooke Castillo created the model, which is that life gives us circumstances. It could be the weather, equipment breaking down, other people's behavior, viruses and illnesses and bereavement. Um, all of those are completely neutral until our brain gets involved and we have a thought. That that thought, that dialogue, that set, those sentences that we hear in our brain. And that thought creates your emotions. And depending on how you feel determines how you react. 
the actions that you take or don't take then give us a result in our life. And when I heard that, I was just like, oh my gosh, some, this is actually a thing. Somebody else agrees with this. So I just totally consumed her podcast and it was incredible. And then I was like, I came home to Johnny, my husband, and I said, I'm going to be a life coach. And he was like, what? I said, I'm going to be a life coach. He's like, what are you talking about? And at this point in our life, we were renovating our house. And the room that I'm now in, um, for anybody that can actually see this, this is this is my tiny little box bedroom, my third bedroom in my house. This was our kitchen. So we had a camping stove, we had a microwave, and we had um, our dining table set up in our bedroom next to our double bed. And the boys' room was fine, but we were washing up in the bath. So uh, we were like that for a year, like a whole year. And I was fine. And my husband was not like he was properly getting stressed out. We were running out of money. Builders weren't coming back to us. He was fed up and washing up in the bath. He jokes that he would have to push the peas down the plug hole to have a shower and then the pubes down the plug hole to wash up. And he was not, he was not happy. And I can remember him saying to me one day, how are you okay with this situation? Like this situation is not okay. This is not good. And I was like, no, but it is because the bath can't make you feel stressed. The builders not coming back to us can't make you feel stressed. There are actually people in the world that would literally risk their lives to live exactly how we're living. So this is fine. It's it's how you're thinking about it. And because I knew my children were safe and because I knew we were all healthy, I literally could have lived like that for years. And he was just like, you are crazy. And then he said to me, please don't tell me you're trying to get made redundant because you, we need your job. Like we need your income. So I was like, no, of course I'm not being made redundant. And and at the time I didn't realize I was manifesting, but that's exactly what I was doing. I was manifesting being able to leave my job because I realized I wanted to be a life coach. And he's like, but Nikki, this is bollocks. It's not your thoughts. It's the circumstance. We had a number of heated conversations, as you can imagine. And I wasn't quite as articulate at explaining things then as I am now. And he was like, this is this, uh, obviously then I'm, he's thinking I'm adding to his stress levels. But what happened over those conversations, he would then go into work and he would talk to his friend at work and he would start to say to her things like, well, you know, if you just changed your mind about that, you would actually feel differently. And then he was like, oh, shit. Like what she's saying is right. So he came home and he said, you need to do this. You need to sign up for certification. You need to become a life coach. By this point, I'd already left my job. (laughs) 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 So it was good that he was on board. So I joined up with the life coach school to do my certification. And part of the certification at that time was a, a weight loss section. So I was going through going through my certification, hearing all this amazing stuff, and it got to the weight loss bit. And I was like, well, you know, I've kind of got a little bit to lose, but oh my gosh, how how do I get over my sugar addiction? Like, I, I just couldn't ever imagine having control of that. And so she was talking about over drinking and overeating. And I thought, well, actually, I'm going to take everything that I'm learning and I'm going to apply it to my sugar addiction. And so that's what I did. I started to learn the process of actually experiencing my emotions, the sugar craving being one of them, that urge to eat all the chocolate buttons and all the squashies. And I started to learn that actually this emotion is totally harmless. 
which is just mind blowing, right? That actually we cannot be uncomfortable for a few minutes. And actually I found not even, then that disappears and then you're comfortable for so much longer rather than being trying to be comfortable in the moment. And then you're uncomfortable for days. And I think this works beautifully, especially around alcohol. So I haven't, I haven't actually drank for about five years now. That was quite an easy thing for me to do personally, but I was going to a party the other day on my own in Bath where I only knew a handful of people and I felt anxious and that would have been the perfect scenario in which I would have drank before. Whereas actually I was able to go to that party thinking, do you know what? I would rather feel anxious for a couple of hours and feel a little bit awkward in not not quite knowing what to say maybe or people looking at my pink rawa skirt thinking, what the fuck is she wearing? What an idiot. And actually not caring about their judgment I would much rather have that discomfort for a couple of hours than I would drink and then be uncomfortable for days with a hangover. And and it's the same with food. I would much rather be awkward and uncomfortable now in a social situation and feel my nervousness and feel my anxiety than have days of beating myself up because I ate too much or because I can't stop or because now I'm putting on weight and I feel physically tired because I don't have the energy that I know I can have. And then because I did that, that then just had a, has had a ripple effect throughout my business, throughout my life. I really feel that uh, I'm going to cry. I really feel that if I could, if I, because I got on top of my sugar cravings, I actually feel like I could do anything. Like I, I think it's shit. If I could, if I can get over that and by get over, I don't mean that it's gone completely. And I don't also mean that I'm not perfect. Like there are times when I choose to have chocolate, but now I'm the one that's taking one. I did this on Saturday. My children had a box of quality streets and to begin with, I was like, oh no, I don't want it. But then you're looking at them and you're looking at them. And I was like, oh, I'll just have one. And I'm now the person that can have one fucking like sweet and stop and in it and I just look back at that journey and I think like fair play I really thank my past self for having the courage to be uncomfortable in the moment which has now given me so much more comfort in the long term so much more control and 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 that just makes you feel like a badass and it's not an easy journey but well, you know, for yourself, going through growth, it's uncomfortable, but the other side of that is incredible. And that, to me, builds self-confidence. When you're willing to be comfortable, feeling uncomfortable, that, to me, is the key to the life that you want to live, whether that's just being present with your kids, whether that's weight loss, whether that's you want to go and climb a mountain or or do some crazy extreme thing. It doesn't matter. You you We all get to choose it, but it starts with that initial willingness to be uncomfortable. Amazing, Nikki. Wow. And I think that it's just, just incredible hearing that. And congratulations, first you. of all, you know, for for the weight you've lost, for overcoming your sugar addiction, for being that person that can just have one sweet. And yeah. uh, probably coming from a place where a, a time in your life where you thought that I could never do that. That's mm-hmm. impossible. That's that's somebody else. You know, this is the path that I've been given. This is who I am. Yeah. And that can't change. And I think it's so relevant and will resonate with so many people who listen to this podcast because so many people feel stuck. So many people feel like they can't lose the weight that they want or they've tried so many times it's impossible and that's just who they are or just the cards they've been dealt and it's impossible. Yeah. 
and I refuse to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I hear stories every single time as a new guest on my show of how people had that belief mm-hmm. and overcame it. And you talk about the model, which, you know, it's, it's by no um, coincidence that I now use that as part of my own coaching, because for anyone who doesn't know, in fact, probably nobody knows this, Nikki's husband, Johnny, the one who was pushing the piece down the, <laughs> the plug hole so that he could have a shower is my coach. And that's how I was introduced to Nikki. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for the fact that we're having this conversation now. But when I discovered that our feelings aren't driven by the circumstance and we have that opportunity to change our thoughts, it was so powerful. Yeah. It has had an almost immediate effect and impact on my life, mm. um, on my training as a coach, on me developing as a person. And it's something that I think once you hear it and you realize how true it is that you, it's almost like a duty to share it with others and help mm-hmm. others with that mm-hmm. because of the impact that it has. And having heard your story, having spoken to Johnny, spoke to so many people and realizing that, that it's actually become part of what I like to show people within my own coaching because it's so important. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for you, you've touched on so many points there, Nikki. When you began to discover these things, obviously putting into practice things you were learning as a coach, losing two stone and overcoming sugar addiction, was it something that was easy for you or were there challenges? Uh, no, it was not. It was not easy. It's kind of easy now because those habits are more ingrained, like those mm-hmm. thought processes have changed. But no, it's it's not an easy journey. And I don't think any form of growth is like whenever we grow emotionally as people, which is ironic when we're talking about weight loss, because actually as weight loss, we want to shrink. But from an emotional perspective, that growth is always uncomfortable um, because we have every single human on the planet has a primitive part to their brain. The mm. brain is phenomenally complex and, and, I, and, and I'm not a neuroscientist, but I simplify it right down to the primitive brain and then our higher brain. And the primitive brain is really old. So it's scientifically, like scientifically, it's the um, hippocampus, hypothalamus and amygdala. So that primitive part of our brain, it hasn't changed since our caveman days. It is quite literally hundreds of thousands of years old. And its only job is to keep us safe. And the way that it keeps us safe is by avoiding any sort of pain, always seeking pleasure, and by making everything easy. Because hundreds of thousands of years ago... That is what enabled us to survive as a human race. If we were excluded from the pack, we would have died, which is why now we 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 fear rejection and other people's judgments. You know, if we came across, across a, a bush of berries, we would have gorged on them because we didn't know when we were going to get those again. It might have been like next year, next season. So, you know, even, even when it comes down to sex, like sex, we needed to have sex to evolve as a human race, which is why it's so pleasurable. The only problem is when you look at our modern day world, we have now manufactured all of that pleasure. So we've got porn, we've got alcohol, we've got sugar, we've got social media, all of these false manufactured um, creations, which can be used in a good way. But they just totally tap into that, like that dopamine and desire circuit by design. Like that primitive part of our brain literally thinks we need the alcohol, otherwise we're going to die. It literally thinks we need to eat all the sugar, otherwise we're going to die. And so that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse to follow it, but it is a reason to have compassion. 
And so when I first started learning how to manage my mind and started learning how to um, control my cravings, I had this internal dialogue with myself. So first of all, name your primal brain. So for anyone listening, I know this is going to sound really weird. You might be thinking, what is she talking about? But when you name that primal brain, first of all, every single human has it. You are not unique in that negative dialogue you have in your head. I want to say that again. You are not unique when you have that negative dialogue in your head. When you're beating yourself up and you're judging yourself and you're putting yourself down, that is most humans on this planet. But when you name that part of your brain, you can then dissociate yourself and separate yourself from it. So I, mine's called Sue. Mine's called Clive. Clive. Just so you know. Nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah. John, my <laughs> husband's is called Brian. Um, sometimes Dave, depending on the circumstance. But that, that's we want to make friends with Sue and Clive, right? We want to make friends with them because they are literally trying to keep us safe. They just do not understand our current world. So what I used to say to myself so often was like, Sue, I hear you. I get it. You literally think we need to eat the whole bag of chocolate buttons, otherwise we're going to die. I know. And I, that feels true to her. Like I'm not, I'm not taking away that experience. I'm not judging it. But I just used to say to her, but I'm learning how to be in charge now. Nikki is learning how to look after us. And and that is you with your higher brain. And that will be unique for everybody. Like it doesn't matter whether it's the Atkins diet or whether you go vegan or whether you go gluten-free or whatever, you will have the knowledge in your head what's right for your individual body. But because we're so driven and we're all listening to this primitive, shitty, negative brain, we're not accessing our higher wisdom. So that separation and having that internal conversation to me is key. And going back to the point that you said, Carl, about the thoughts create our feelings, then I think people have the misunderstanding that then they're always going to feel happy and positive. If my thoughts create my feelings, then I'm just going to be able to feel joyous all of the time. And that is bullshit. It is absolute bullshit. And neither do we want to feel happy and joyous all of the time. You know, if, we, if we're suffering a bereavement and you're thinking, I'm really going to miss this person, you want to feel grief. Like you want to feel sadness. So giving yourself the grace and permission to feel that emotion is so much, it's so much more powerful than trying to avoid it and be happy and, and numbing it with the alcohol and the sugar. But what you can do is you can come to neutral. So if we take the relationship with ourselves, right, and the relationship with our body, most people listening to this, if they want to go on a weight loss journey, probably have a negative view of their body. They're probably looking in the mirror and thinking, you're not good enough. You're too fat. You're ugly. Like all of the shitty thoughts. So to jump to, oh my gosh, I'm fabulous. I'm amazing. is is impossible and, and false and completely toxic. But you can step to neutral because I think people think that there's this we can only feel either positive or negative, but actually there's this beautiful space in the middle where we just get to feel neutral. And so actually stepping into that space is the first step. And we do that by saying to ourselves, do you know what? I'm human. Or if being human even doesn't resonate, I am Nikki. Or even if I am Nikki, I am, I just am. I am here. And and 
saying those very factual, very neutral sentences to ourselves steps us into neutral. Then we're not in that primal survival state. We're able to access our higher wisdom and we then have a choice. And I think this is one of the most powerful things that we can tell ourselves, not from a, not from a judgment, critical perspective, but from a real empowerment. I actually have a choice in this moment. Yes, I can carry on. So for me, it used to be Nutella as well. The jar of Nutella in the cupboard. Yes, I could go and eat all of that Nutella. I could do that. And fuck me, does my body want to do that right now? Like my brain is screaming at me. We want the chocolate. But actually, I call it my ABC. So when A, I just acknowledge that voice and I acknowledge that emotion. And I allow it to be there. And then B, I breathe and I understand with a lot of compassion. Of course, you want to go and eat the whole back, like jar of Nutella because it, it be, like in the immediate, you just that, oh, it's the same with alcohol, right? You just go, oh, that feels so good. Temporarily, you feel amazing. I get it. I get it. But C, I have a choice. And if I go for the temporary comfort, I'm actually choosing the long-term discomfort. So choosing to spoon out the Nutella now is going to actually give me so much more discomfort in the long term. So which choice do I want? Do I want to feel uncomfortable for a short period of time or do I want to feel comfortable for longer, for the days, for the weeks, for the years of my life that I'm actually going to feel better because of the, the weight loss or because of the, not even because of the weight loss, but because of the because I'm not putting so many toxins into my body, that alone will make me feel so much better. You'll have more energy. So that's that's to me like the acknowledge and become aware, the breathe and understand with compassion and then see, make a choice. And we may not always like our choices, right? But we absolutely always have a choice. And so, yeah, I think... I don't know if I went off on a complete tangent there, but I can't even remember what you asked me now. I'm but... glad you did, Nikki. I, do you know what? I, I couldn't even remember myself, but I'm enjoying this so bloody much that I just, it's so inspiring and insightful that, you know, I didn't want to stop you because it was, you know, like I said, I wanted you to talk in, in you know, feel free to speak about this because I think this is so important and helpful. And people are probably listening to this thinking, wow, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think when you were explaining the ABC of acknowledge, breathe and choice, I was thinking specifically about people I've spoken to and listeners who have disordered eating, who binge eat, because so many times I've had conversations with people who it gets to that moment where it's kind of like the, because I, I work a lot with habit loops. So obviously that, that cue is there, that triggers, okay, I'm sat down watching Netflix in the evening and then that craving, oh, I need to eat something sweet or I need to drink something. I, I, I'm hungry, but it's not usually even the hunger because it's when you start looking into it, you realize you're not hungry. Yeah. But then obviously the reaction to that, the action and the result of a reward, which like you said, is a very fleeting moment because usually then if you are on a weight loss journey or you, you just feel out of control, I think control is the, the key word here, then the shame, the guilt, yeah. the feeling like shit that comes after that which if you do suffer from disordered eating is enough usually to throw you into another loop of binge eating yeah. and feeling bad about yourself. So it's about breaking that, I think. And yeah. I mean, hearing some of the things you've mentioned there is just, I think, phenomenal. And, you know, I can tell obviously you're very good and skilled as a coach and it's just inspiring listening to you, to Thank be honest. You. And especially because it comes from a place of 
your own truth. Mm. And, you know, talking about Sue, I think you said yeah. is the name of that part of the brain. And this is something I discovered recently and named that part of my brain Clive because quite often, and, and I'll liken it, it's going to make me sound like a really bad parent here, but I'll liken it to when one of my children want my attention and they could be pulling, you know, tap me on the leg, daddy, 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 daddy. And they could say it maybe 10, 15, 20 times. If I'm engrossed in my phone or not paying attention or just simply don't want to deal with it in that moment, they'll keep at it, keep at it, keep at it until I acknowledge them. And then I'll be like, okay, what do you want? They'll tell me what they want. And it doesn't mean I'm automatically going to give it to them. It doesn't mean I'm automatically going to agree with them or they're going to get the result they want. But the moment I let them say what they want, speak to me, get it off their chest, there's then that choice, that, you know, acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think that so many of our thoughts, the negative energy, the negative thoughts that sit in our head, that we, we try and ignore, we try and reject. But then when you actually let them in, you let them exist, you realize you don't have to automatically say yes. You don't automatically have to do what they're telling you in the same way that my child tells me, you know, Dylan or Nathan may come to me and say, Daddy, you know, we want to go swimming. And obviously we can't go swimming because it's nine o'clock at night and yeah. we've got school in the morning. But they've, they've said that part, I've listened yeah. and then made a decision based on it. Whereas you mentioned earlier about putting something in a box and, and pushing it, you know, away so you don't have to see it or feel it. Yeah. Um, I, I talk about often like a beach ball and and how you push it underwater and you can hold it underwater for as long as you possibly can. But eventually the second you let go, it comes flying back up. Yeah. And that's what I think happens with so many of our emotions that we, we choose not to. So this, this acknowledging this being accepting of it, I think is so important. Yeah. And I imagine it's, you know, it's helped you. You said not just obviously overcoming sugar cravings, but in all situations in your life. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny you liken it to a toddler because I did hear the other day that that primitive part of our brain, those three parts that I named, it does have the average age of a three to five-year-old. So it is, yeah, it is like a toddler. And you think you wouldn't, most of us don't let a toddler drink like three, four, five glasses of wine and then a couple of cocktails. Like most of us wouldn't let a toddler have a whole back box of chocolates and eat everything. We would say to them, look, let's just calm down a little bit. It's going to make you feel sick. You know, with, with most, like mostly compassion because we're teaching them, but we can have that internal dialogue with ourselves. And so when you understand that actually so many of us are being guided by this toddler in our brain, you kind of then think, oh, Maybe I should be more aware of what they're saying and then make the choice because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I do choose to have a dessert or I do choose to have a cake, but I make that decision ahead of time where possible. Um, and then that's where your, yeah, that's where your control comes in. And and I think, like you say about the beach ball, I quite also like thinking about it as a whole, like so many people, I think, especially when it comes to things like depression, sadness, grief, they think they're going to fall down into this hole and never come out again. They're, they're never going to be able to come out. And, and I think actually the opposite happens. When you try and avoid that hole, you're, you, you are then actually avoiding your life because that is part of our human experience. Like the, the negative, the, the 50% of the negative of our life is our human experience. And when we're, when we think we're trying to avoid it, we're actually avoiding 
half of our life, half of the experiences. And but what actually happens is when you learn to process your emotions, and it's and it's as straightforward as recognizing it in your body, which for some people would just be like, what? Like I don't even know what you're talking about. Johnny was like that the first time. I was asking him, I think he was feeling angry or frustrated. I'm like, well, where in your body do you feel it? He's like, well, what do you mean? Where do I feel it? And I was like, well, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it, is it heavy or is it light? Is it fast or is it slow? And then I was like, what color is it? He's like, what are you talking about? And it's not, I don't feel it in my body, but we all do. And mm-hmm. we're not taught how to do this, right? We are not taught how to process our emotions. And we do it with positive emotions. Like when we're excited about a holiday, we allow ourselves to feel excited because it feels good. But that excitement doesn't last. Like you don't feel excited 24-7 up until the point you go on holiday. It's only when you think about the holiday that you then feel excited. You allow yourself to feel excited and then it disappears. And the same is true for our negative ones. When we actually let ourselves feel anxious and we breathe, and we own it, and we recognize it, it disappears. There is no hole that we have to climb out of. There is no ball that we have to hold under. Like, it could just, we could just allow it to float on the top. Like, that beach ball's just floating around on the top, and it's not a problem. Um, Yeah, but we don't ever get taught that, do we? We don't ever get told how to process it. And it's interesting, especially you saying, you know, how when you first introduced that to Johnny, how he, uh, I feel like, you know, talking about him cause he's not here. Sorry, Johnny. But, um, when, when you first introduced that to him, he, he didn't know, but yet in one of my most recent coaching sessions with him, he showed me how to process emotions like that. Yeah. And yeah. we process sadness cause I, it was related to something I was talking about. I can't remember exactly what it was. It's not important, but anyway, so the emotion was sadness. He's okay, let's sit there and process it. And we sat there and I, I really focused on how it manifested and, and like you said, eventually from having like this knot in my stomach, giving it the space to move around freely and giving it that time, it kind of evaporates. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the feeling that you have, but it's about being willing. I think the word's willing to allow that space for that emotion to sit there because we quite often, you know, try and pull ourselves together or give our head a wobble and, and try and tell ourselves, nope, we're going to feel good today. Yeah. Yeah. without actually addressing those negative emotions and why they sit there. Yeah. And I think by doing that, it can take practice. It can take time. Yeah. But I think this, especially on a weight loss journey for so many people, allowing that concentrating on mindset and focusing on your well-being is the key to actually achieving it to a point where I say it quite often now that weight loss is almost for me, a byproduct of working on yourself and and having a healthy mindset because the two can't coexist. They yeah. might do for a very short amount of time. You might be able to lose weight, but if you don't address your thoughts, your feelings and, and what's going on inside, you're never going to be able to sustain it because ultimately you just revert back to the same coping mechanisms that you have when yeah. things go wrong. 100%. And there's so many people say to me, oh, I just want to be healthy or I want to like myself a bit better. So they think that losing weight is going to then enable them to have those thoughts, but actually it has to happen the other way around. You have to like yourself and be healthy in order to lose weight because a healthy body won't lose weight. Like I, I, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not, I don't want to get, or, or a nutritional therapist. So I don't want to get into the, the science behind it. But if your liver isn't functioning co- correctly and it's overloaded with the amount of toxins that we're putting into our body, that li- your liver isn't, is going to 
take those toxins and push it out into the fat cells. So then more fats, create more fats, create more. That's a survival technique. We could, you can actually look in the mirror and thank your liver and the, the fat that you have is a survival because that fat is actually keeping you alive. Because if that fat wasn't there, your liver would be overloaded and would give up and you would die, right? So actually you can look in the mirror and you could, I'm not saying you should, but you could actually be very grateful for what your body's doing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually changing, changing at that point where you can initially change the fat on your body, you can change your mind about your body. That is within your control. And and again, that coming back to the neutral, it doesn't have to be a positive shift, like it, a, a jump into positivity, but it can be just, I have a body, like I am human. And so you have to, because the other thing as well about our relationship with ourselves and how we talk to ourselves and how we shame ourselves, or for me, I used to just, be, I think I was just so pathetic. Uh, and that voice still tells me that. It's not that that voice is gone. I just don't engage with it. I'm like, yeah whatever. Like, I just don't, I don't believe it anymore. So when I am in my negative spaces, I don't stay there for any prolonged period of time. But um, coming back to the relationship with ourself, we think that losing weight is going to then enable us to have a better relationship with ourselves. But we have to have a better relationship with ourselves first in order to lose the weight. That is so much more sustainable. You, you, you can shame and hate yourself thin, but it will be a really shit journey that you just then don't sustain. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're able to not even love yourself thin, but like yourself thin, that is so much more sustainable. It's so much more enjoyable. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, the, the opposite, like it has to, it has to start with that mindset first and learning how to deal with the emotions first. That's then, yeah, like you say, the weight loss then is a, a, a an enjoyable like benefit. Of course. And, and one of the things that strikes me is, is one of the, the people I work with, one of my clients, we've been working on something and it's a lot of sentences. It's almost like this self-protection mechanism that she'll start with. I know it sounds silly, but, and this is something we've been looking at because it's almost that limiting belief that what I'm going to say is bullshit or what I'm going to say is going to be judged by people or what I'm yeah. going to say is not going to be received well. So by saying that, I'm kind of protecting myself. Yeah. But that's actually quite a harmful thing that you do because you're kind of, you're not giving yourself that space to speak your mind. Yeah. In the, with the intention that you'd like to. Yeah. And it's one of these things that we've noticed even in just a few short weeks, the progression had gone from saying it to saying it and then catching herself saying it, saying, okay, but it's not silly. Yeah. To now it's almost as if you can see it being caught before it, the words come out of the mouth. It's like, yeah. No, it's not silly. Yeah. And that kind of progression, it can happen with practice. And like you say, you don't have to love yourself in that moment, but just giving yourself that space to know you're on a journey, to know you're learning, to know that you want something better for yourself is, is such a special thing and such an important thing. Because once you give yourself that compassion and you are a little bit more easy on yourself and being kind to yourself, it opens that door to then make those changes because you know, okay, it might not happen today. You might not, you can't wake up and lose all the weight you want to from one day to the next. But recognizing that you're willing to go on that journey, that you're willing to create something better for yourself and face the challenges in life. It takes a lot of strength, a lot of guts and a lot of, you know, power, I think, to be able to, to say that. And it's very courageous. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you go from that, you can achieve anything. Like you said, right at the very beginning, but it's not just 
sugar addiction or weight loss, once you realize that by loving yourself, by being kinder to yourself, you have the opportunity to change anything you want. Yeah. You can literally change your life. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, which is, which is, you know, for some people that's really scary, isn't it? You know, and, and that's where, um, like feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And for me, how I know it's the right track when I feel, when I like feel self doubt or if I feel nervous, but the other side of that is like an excited possibility. I'm like, I'm willing to go through that fear to get to that possibility and to get to that excitement. And it comes with practice. I mean, it's, you know, it can be very uncomfortable and let's not pretend, you know, that it's not that that processing emotions, if you have avoidance, if if there's things you're trying to steer yourself away from because it's difficult, Mm. it can be hard the first few times that you do that, but it's something that takes practice. It's, you know, like, like anything really, you don't have to be an expert at it straight away. And sometimes, you know, you might find yourself able to sit with that emotion for like 30 seconds before it becomes too overbearing, but maybe next time 50 seconds yeah. to the point where you can actually allow the whole, whole process of it dissipating yeah. and evaporating and disappearing. Yeah. Because apparently science has proven that our emotions, when we, when we fully allow ourselves to experience our emotion, um, it only lasts for 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. So you think, okay, your choice is, do I sit here being really fucking uncomfortable for 90 seconds, but that's going to give me a lifetime of comfort or do I want to keep avoiding that 90 seconds? Like you get to exactly. choose your uncomfortable. Either journey is going to be uncomfortable. We think that that the weight loss and the courage and the, you know, moving into that new identity is going to be scary, but thinking, well, if I don't change and if I stay exactly how I am, how how comfortable is that journey? Well, actually that's sometimes even more scary. Like thinking, knowing, knowing that there's something a bit more in your life that you could be doing, whatever that more is, mm-hmm. not, not being true to yourself and not acknowledging that I think is so much scarier than actually the process of change. Like, and it's about, I, it, and some people find this really morbid, but I think it's amazing. Like those last few minutes of your life, which hopefully for us is many, many years away. And you're looking back at your life and you're, you're like, am I glad I stayed in my comfort zone? Or am I glad that I went into my discomfort zone? Like which life do I want to look back and go, thank you. Thank you for having the courage. Thank you for having the guts. Thank you for being the willingness to be uncomfortable temporarily to give me this amazing life. I agree completely. And and I just, while you're explaining that, like an analogy came to my mind, but I'm going to share because I remember as a kid, I say as a kid, probably before I was 18 as well, mm-hmm. definitely before I was 18 as well. But I remember when we used to go out on a Friday or Saturday night to a club or somewhere. And for me, it was in Essex, like we're in Chelmsford, we go to Dukes or something, which was knocked down decades ago probably but <laughs> it would be in the queue leading up to the entrance you have a big old bouncers there the anticipation the worried would I get ID'd would I get in how yeah. am I going to feel that nervousness that uncomfortableness and then that key moment where it happens and then you got through yeah and all of a sudden you opens up into this massive club with lights and music and yeah. you just have the most amazing night possible yeah and I guess the same thing happens here if we compare it to emotions, that how many nights would I have missed out on had I have not been willing to put up with that little moment of feeling uncomfortable and nervousness to get past the bouncer? Yeah, I love that analogy. That's amazing. Because I, I remember too that, oh my God, like, are they, am I going to get my date of birth right? Am I going to get my... Exactly. I was willing to to spend maybe even an hour 
and it was probably cold and it was probably raining, like mm-hmm. in the queue, waiting to get into the nightclub to then experience the joy of those few hours. Exactly that. Yeah. The so nights. just sitting with it sometimes. So there you go. Yeah. Treat treat your mind like yeah, a, just go to a night, night out in the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, if, if we're going to have to start wrapping up, unfortunately, yeah. um, but I'd love to know um, where people can find you. And, you know, for everyone who's listening, I'm sure they would love to know more about you, um, your journey as a coach as well. And I know that you share a lot of great content. So yeah. where would be the best pl- place for people to come find you? Yeah. So the best place to look for me is on Instagram, uh, okay. the emotional resilience coach, uh, or with a dot in between each word. Um, I've got a YouTube channel and it's around mind management and emotional management. I absolutely love your content. Thank I love you. what you share. There's a lot to be learned there. So I'd encourage anybody who's found today's chat interesting or would like to learn a bit more about how important a good emotional connection with yourself is and um and if nothing else i encourage you to give your primitive part of your brain a name yes Um, i got really nervous doing that because i thought well what if i what if i offend somebody you know what if someone's (laughs) listening their husband's called clive or they're called clive okay okay. (laughs) just name their it's it's just yeah i have my reasons i'll explain another day why it's clive but uh, but we have to make friends with clive right well i have to make friends with sue this isn't the enemy they're trying to keep us safe. We can have a lot of compassion because they just are very confused about our modern world. Exactly. And the, the sooner that you make peace or the sooner I made peace with Clive and allow him to have his space to breathe, I've realized I don't have to fight him. Yeah. I just listen, listen. and then Cole makes his decisions based on yes. what Cole wants to do, Yeah, which is so important. Brilliant. Nikki, I've absolutely loved speaking to you today. Thank you so much for, for being a guest on the show. You're um, welcome. Congratulations on everything you've achieved because it's it's phenomenal and i'd love to ask if you'd come back in the future and, and talk more about this yeah, because i think i'm, I'm yeah. i will quite happily talk about any topic anything that you feel is relevant we can hone in on it enough to superb well like i said thank you so much yeah and, thanks uh, for having we'll me soon. take, take care, care bye bye i'd also like to say a big thank you to you our listeners i appreciate you joining us at the weight loss warrior podcast and would love that you become part of our tribe If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new weight loss warrior tell their story. We share brand new episodes every single Monday and Thursday and hope that you join us next time. You can also find us on Instagram where we share great tips and advice on how you can lose weight in a safe and sustainable way. Simply search for Weight Loss Warrior Podcast and follow us today. Remember, be kind to yourself and keep looking forward. You can achieve your goals.